Greetings everyone, my name is Julie Masters and welcome to another episode of Inside Influence, in which I delve into the minds of some of the world's most fascinating influencers or experts in influence to get to the bottom of what it really takes to own your voice and then amplify it to drive an industry, a conversation, a movement or a nation. So here we are, coming to the end of another eventful year. Another 12-month bundle of opportunities, challenges, and curveballs. Plenty of highlights, some definite unforeseen lowlights, and more than the usual, and that's saying something, more than the usual fair share of just making it up as we go along. You know, I recently found a quote, an Einstein quote on social media that said, I have no special talents. I am only passionately curious. So at the very least, I hope you manage to stay at least a little bit curious this year. Hopefully, you're also about to embark on a well-deserved break to catch your breath, which is exactly what we will be doing here at Inside Influence, myself and the team. So over the next few weeks, we are going to be taking a festive step back to rest up, recalibrate and re-inspire ourselves for 2022. However, if you need some inspiration to get thinking and planning for next year, fear not. We have you covered. Our holiday season of power cuts of power minis is back. You know, it's actually one of my favorite jobs of the year this time of year. Going back through all the incredible conversations and guests over the past 12 months, re-listening and pulling out some of the best moments, the best tools and insights. Pretty much just a hit list from me of all the ideas and lessons that will be guiding my thinking over the next few weeks as I reset, level up and plan for next year. So once a week over the next five weeks, we will be dropping one very short episode straight to you. Perfect for that, you know, walk around the block that's maybe sometimes needed when family gets together in a confined space. I won't say anything more about that. However, before I head into this first episode of our mini series, I wanted to first say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring as much about this conversation as I do, as we do as a team. Thank you for staying curious and courageous enough to put these ideas into action. And for those brave souls who email me all the way throughout the year to tell me how a particular guest or a moment or an idea has changed the course of some area of your life, your emails always come at exactly the right moment way more frequently than you would ever know. So thank you. Now for me, there are a lot of things I want to take to the next level next year and you're going to be hearing more about that as the months come on. However, I know that that is going to depend solely on the extent to which I am willing to show up deliberately and consistently, trusting the breadcrumbs that I find along the way, even when I don't understand how they all, you know, go together into one large baked good and giving myself permission to keep making a passionately imperfect contribution. That's how this podcast started and that's how it will continue. Just one passionately imperfect contribution at a time. Because that's the brutally beautiful work of showing up for all of us. That's what it looks like to own our influence. It's messy it looks nothing like Instagram. I'll say that again. It looks nothing like Instagram. 
it is fierce work when the lights go down and everybody else feels like they have left the arena. And that's what this podcast will continue to be all about in 2022. How do we do that? How do we show up? How do we own our influence? How do we consciously and deliberately choose who we want to be and how we want to make an impact for ourselves, for our families, and for whatever message it is that we want to bring into the world. But for now, a much needed break and a guest for our first flashback that requires very little introduction. Guy Kawasaki is the chief evangelist of Canva. He was the previous chief evangelist at Apple. He is also the author of 14 best-selling books, The Art of the Start, Enchantment, to name just a couple of them. He is credited with popularizing the idea of evangelism marketing, which he says is simply spreading the good news about a product, service, or company. He is also a well-known speaker and host of the Remarkable People podcast, in which he interviews amazing humans like Seth Godin, Dr. Jane Goodall, listen to that one, it's an incredible episode, and Angela Duckworth. In this flashback section of our interview, you're going to hear Guy explain why life is like Tinder and not eHarmony and how this knowledge is the key to nailing your pitch. Now, for those of you who missed that whole, you know, like internet dating aspect of romantic life, well done. I'll let you Google those two references. He also reveals the exact matrix that he uses to identify solid gold products or people. Now, you have to remember here. He gets pulled into a lot of pitches. He is an investor. He comes on board early stage companies. And this is the exact matrix that he uses to identify the companies, products, or people he wants to get involved with. He also talks about why we all need a mantra instead of a mission statement. Now, if you've been struggling to cut through the noise this year and need some new tools to make an impact, I promise you this episode is for you. You've talked before in the topic of evangelism, which is a term that you went on to, to help popularize, that you don't, you don't push a product or a service, which is, you know, a, a bucket that's easy to fall into. You promote a cause. You, you drive a cause. How, did you, how do you go about doing that? How do you go about identifying the cause? Let's start there. Well, first, um, the, the product or service has to have a cause. So uh, it's very difficult to slap lipstick on a pig and come out with anything more than a pig with lipstick. So I've been fortunate in my career to have found or been found by things that are possible to evangelize. I started with Macintosh and I'm ending with Canva. In between, I did a lot of thrashing. So this is by no means a guarantee that just because you think you're an evangelist, um, it's going to be successful. And I call this guy's golden touch, which is not that whatever I touch turns to gold. Guy's golden touch is whatever's gold guy touches. And Canva and Macintosh were freaking 24 karat gold. I read about guy's golden touch actually a number of times. And it, it definitely intrigued me, which raised the natural question of how do you, you said, you know, whatever's gold guy touches, how do you work out whether something is gold and I'll just lead you a second here and you can either put a full stop at the end of that and take it in a different direction or do whatever you want. I don't care. It's your podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you said, I read that you use a two by two matrix. 
Yes. To figure it out. Can you just walk us through what that looks like? Yes. So this two by two matrix, uh, which McKinsey will charge you $5 million to understand, uh, you measure the degree of differentiation or uniqueness on the vertical axis. And on the horizontal axis, you measure the degree of value. So the further you are out to the right, the more valuable. The higher you are, the more unique or differentiated you are. So I think all of marketing and really all of life boils down to being high and to the right, meaning that you have a unique product or service and that product or service has a valuable function. So Macintosh at the time was unique and valuable. There was no other you know, graphical user interface. Canva, unique and valuable, that it has democratized graphics and um, it has done it in a way that has enabled millions and millions of people to become great designers. And that's unique and valuable. There are a handful of unique and valuable things. iPod, when it first came out, was unique and valuable. It was the only device with a human interface that a mere mortal could operate. It had a wide selection of music from six publishers. It was easy to upload the music. It was inexpensive to upload the music, 99 cents a song, and it was legal to upload the music. So if you took all those factors, there was nothing in the market that had all of them. And you've talked, you've talked before about that's a framework that you can use with a brand, with a, with a product, with a service, but it's also, which kind of interested me more, something that you can use for yourself, for your yes. own brand when you're talking about yourself. Well, how's the, is there any difference there between how you use it in that case? Not really. I mean, I, I would even bring it into your personal life that if you are a unique and valuable spouse, you know, you, you pretty much have it made. Um, <laughs> It's, it's when you offer that's the same thing that everybody me. else. Huh? I said, that's depressing for me. Why? You're not unique and valuable? <laughs> I don't know if I could articulate it. I'm going to try now. <laughs> TMI, I don't want to know. <laughs> um, so, well, okay, we'll, step, we'll take it one step back from spouse. But think of yourself as an employee. If you are a unique and valuable employee, if only you can do something, and that something is valuable to the company, Life is good. Life is good. But you were right there when you said you need to be able to articulate it. And that, I think it's just worth spending a little bit of time on that because I find the conversation about what makes our brand, what makes our product, what makes our service unique is one that you hear fairly frequently within boardrooms, right. within advertising companies. But what tends to happen when it comes to how we describe what we do, what we contribute, is that we don't ask that question anymore. We kind of just dive into the world of white noise, kind of go, <laughs> go find someone else who does what I do, copy, paste into my own profile. Why is it so much harder to do for ourselves than it is to do for a brand, product, service? Well, I think it's because many people, um, they live in a vacuum. and they think, let's take the example of a pitch. So you're pitching a venture capitalist for funding and you stand up and you say, I have patent pending, curve jumping, paradigm shifting, enterprise class, scalable product. And you think you just made yourself high into the right. You are the only product that is patent pending, curve jumping, you know, <laughs> enterprise scalable product or service. Um, but in fact, you know, you were the nine o'clock meeting, there's a 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock, they go and play golf. So, you know, there are 10 pitches that day. Every one of the stinking CEOs said the same thing. 
And so I, I, I swear people don't realize that that's the world they live in. To, to use uh, another analogy, um, I think that life is life can also be explained in dating apps. And so there are two kinds of dating apps. One dating app is eHarmony. You fill out 29 fields of personal psychographic information to find your life partner. The other kind of dating app is Tinder, and you are either interesting or not interesting, and people make an instant decision. I think life is Tinder. So you have to wrap your mind around life is Tinder, and everybody's using the same adjective. So if you want to position yourself as unique and valuable, you have to really be able to articulate why you are unique and valuable. And does that start with going on to, I mean, I'm just throwing my own perspective in here, start with going on to the profiles, the way that your competitors are describing themselves and literally picking the opposite word, deliberately different well, words? Well, you, you hit on an interesting concept. I mean, I, I call this the opposite test, which is, you know, go listen to your competition and see if they're saying the opposite of you. So a pitch that is we're patent pending, curve jumping, paradigm shifting, enterprise class scalable product will work if your competition is saying, we are a piece of shit that is slow, hard, not proprietary, not useful, uh, not unique. I mean, if, you're, if your competition is saying the opposite of you, that's fine. But if they're probably saying we too are patent pending, curve jumping, paradigm shifting, revolutionary. I mean, I've never heard a CEO says, well, we have a piece of crap that is mediocre in quality and mediocre in performance and hard to use. Um, if 99.9% if .9 of the people said that, then it would be easy to, <laughs> to position yourself high and to the right. So where do you go from there? Where do you go? I mean, other than, you know, this is our product. It doesn't suck. Like, yeah. where do you, we are all this. Now what? Where do you go? Well, I, I you know, I think it's hard to, to say... Um, we are this and our competition is not because everybody's saying the same freaking thing. So I, I would make the case that a demo is a very good way to position yourself high and to the right because you are showing people why you're high and to the right as opposed to telling people you're high and to the right. So you know, if, if I had to show Canva versus, to take the extreme example, Photoshop, I guarantee you in 60 seconds, I can show you why Canva is better than Photoshop for 99% of the world. And so, and, and that's done with a demo. I would show the, the Photoshop opening screen where you have a big blank screen with about 2000 tools around it. And I would show you the Canva screen where you, you pick a template and in 60 seconds, you know, you could be finished with your graphic. So it, Contrast that to how most people would do it and say, well, we have a really easy to use powerful product. Well, guess what? The Photoshop people say they have a powerful and easy to use product too. Duh. So, you know, Photoshop said, oh, our product is really hard to use and it's really expensive. It's going to take you weeks to master it. Okay, fine. But they don't do that. It's not going to happen. You've, I've heard you talk about that before and you call it localizing the pitch. Is there, is there anything more involved in localizing the pitch? One is have, have a demo that shows rather than tell. Show yeah. rather than tell. Well, to, to tell you the truth, localizing uh, is slightly different. Localizing is the concept that instead of saying that we are on some kind of mega trend, um, you bring it down to a person. 
So I'll give you a contrast using Canva. So the if you were trying to use a non-local description, you would say graphic communications is going to be big. Okay, that's the mega trend. What you should say is, listen, if you are tired of waiting for your graphic design department or you're tired of submitting uh, proposals and reading proposals uh, from graphic designers or you're just tired of waiting, you just want to make your graphic inexpensively and easily so you can be a better communicator minutes from now than use Canva. That's a very different pitch. It's about you, one person with one computer making great graphics as opposed to the graphical user interface revolution. So you've got two things there. You've got, which kind of counterintuitive, but go together. So one is you're positioning a cause, which you're driving a conversation as opposed to a a product or a service. So know the conversation that you're driving. And the other one is make it local, make it specific. So you've kind of got the clouds and the dirt in there. So am, am I guessing that you you start out with the conversation and then you move your way down into, and this is what specifically this means for you, check it out? I would say that that depends on who's in the audience. If I were talking to a, an audience at a computer show or a, you know someplace where there's a diverse community, I would start at the higher level. But let's say that I was talking to only real estate brokers. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if I were talking to only real estate brokers, I would say, listen, you all have pictures of new property listings and you all are trying to roll your own and make a flyer for that property listing. Let me show you what Canva can do. That's a really niche sell, right? That's just for the listing real estate broker, as opposed to we all have problems communicating and here's a better way to do graphics. Why do you feel like we do that? Is it is it fear? Is it just legacy that that's the way that we've seen it done when advertising and marketing was this big kind of macro concept? Yeah, um, I think all of the above. I don't really, I've never thought about that. Uh, it could just be that, you know, people have never been taught better and they don't have, honestly, they don't have a lot of good examples <laughs> to follow. Uh, I mean, who most people, if you go to most conferences, people start off by saying we have for the 15th time patent pending, curve jumping, paradigm shifting, enterprise class, scalable, innovative product. Everybody starts off that way. You can hear like just in the background, the scrubbing out of a thousand pictures. (laughs) I I, I would say a very good rule of thumb is remove all adjectives. Because the number of adjectives in the universe is finite. So it's very unlikely that you're going to come up with an adjective that positions you uniquely. I want to just add to that for a second. <laughs> so I want something when we, we're talking about, let's got to elevate the pitches for a second, because that's just the point. Okay. That's the pointy end, right? Of what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And you have said that you should be able to explain anything in 30 seconds. Now, just a couple of days ago, I was with a founder. He's created this incredible product and service. I sat with him in a room and I said, you know, I've done my research. I know about it. I have a story about it in my head, but I want to hear your story. You tell me. An hour later, he sat there (laughs) and to his credit, to his credit, he looked at me and he said, we've been sat here for an hour 
I still feel like there's more I want to say and I'm beginning to realize now why we can't write compelling copy. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, if you think about it, that that goes back to the point that, you know, this is Tinder. It's not eHarmony. So tell that guy, listen, if you were trying to find a date, are you telling me that it's going to take an hour for you to explain to someone why they should say yes? I mean... But you're going to be a lonely boy. Let's take that then. So you've got you've got this baby. It could be an idea. It could be a product. It could be a movement. Whatever it is, you've got this baby. You you've got an hour's worth of passion that you want to deliver, and you know you've only got thirty seconds worth of attention to deliver to deliver it in. Yeah. What is there a rule of thumb there about what gets included in that thirty seconds? Well, I think it depends on who you're talking to. Um, like. like if you're a real estate broker, you know how I would pitch it, right? I mean, you're, you're taking pictures of new listings. You want to create a flyer as soon as you can. You're tired of waiting for your corporate uh, graphics design department to do it. So you just want to do it, right? So if you're a product manager and you need to create an infographic, you're not going to wait anymore for your graphic design department to create an infographic. You just go to Canva and, you know, there's infographic template. So what I think I just heard you heard you say, and I want to, I want to double check this, is you take... What you did was you took the pain point. You took the opposite of what I want. You took the 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 emotion of pain and frustration and you put that into the first 30 seconds and then you basically said, you know, we deliver the solution to that. I would say that that is probably the most effective way. Um, the world can be divided into two groups, which is vitamins and painkillers. And I think that... Uh, a better solution is usually that you're a painkiller rather than a vitamin because a vitamin, I mean, <laughs> you, you, a vitamin, which is going to supplement your life and make you supposedly better, et cetera, et cetera, is often, you know, you're not quite sure, right? I mean, it's not like you take one pill of turmeric or one pill of vitamin D and all of a sudden you're glowing. On the other hand, a painkiller, to take an extreme example, if you have a migraine headache, let me tell you something. <laughs> that is top of mind. You want that migraine gone. Okay, You're not thinking about, is it going to clear up my skin? Is it going to be better? You just like this, someone pounding a nail in your head, and you would pay almost anything you can to get that nail stop being pounded into your head. In a perfect world, you would be curing the migraine headache. So I want to talk about democratization again, because not everybody mm -hmm. is lucky enough or not everybody wants to work in an industry or a space that's completely changing the game. Mm -hmm. Most people work in an organization that's doing what it does and hopefully doing it to a really, you know, top class degree. One of the things that I have noticed and I, I really would love your perspectives on is the ones that are doing it well at the minute and not necessarily democratizing a space, but democratizing the language. So they're coming in and going, and it's a similar talk we've spoken about before. Most people around here are using technical jargon, difficult to understand language, language that makes sense to them. I'm going to translate that language into the language of, of this target market and basically bottom line it for them. Those people tend to, in my experience, be the ones that are standing out, kind of leading the charge. Have you noticed the same? I think that that is generally true unless the product speaks for itself. And um, so I, I said... As a sidelight, uh, I believe in the concept of mantras, not mission statements. Ooh. So I think in two or three words, you should be able to explain whatever 
the product or service or you do. So if someone asks me, Guy, what is the mantra for your life? I would say empower people. So in two words, I can explain my life. And so you need to be able to explain in two or three words what your product does. Canva, democratize design. Duh, what else do you need to know? You th you, do you think Adobe could claim that Photoshop has democratized design? I don't think so. So two or three words, not to get specific, a small amount of words to, to be able to nail it down, whatever it is that you're trying to evangelize. Yep. It, can you nail it down that far? That's the opposite of, you know, being sat in a room for an hour hearing, hearing a story. And that sounds, the, the funny thing about simplicity is it's the hardest thing to get, right? Like uh -huh. you've got to wade through so much complexity uh -huh. to get to simplicity. And I well, think. Well, life's a bitch. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> but I think that there's a fallacy out there that this stuff should be quick, that we should be able to nail our story, nail our pitch, nail our. Well, uh, you know, it took me only 40 years to figure out that I empower people. So I, I, I would make the case that executive coaches and marketing agencies and all this kind of, you know, uh, they thrive in this trying to make it a complicated whatever kind of study and focus groups and all that kind of stuff. I don't, I'm just not a believer in all that bullshit. Tell me the opposite of that. How do you do it? Yeah. If it's not that, what is it? Uh, I think you'd have to, you may have to cite the work of Malcolm Gladwell, who said that after you do something for 10,000 hours, just combine some of his books. After you do something for 10,000 hours, you can do something in a blink. Uh, so it doesn't mean that, you know, it's kind of a off the top of your head statement. It really reflects 10,000 hours. So the fact that I can come up with uh, a two or three word description in minutes is the result of 30 or 40 years of practice. It's not... Um, it's not because I have special DNA or anything. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and have seized hold of at least one tool, idea, or mindset that will help you start raising your own level of influence. Now, for those of you who want to take the next step in your journey or would just love a roadmap to becoming the most influential voice, idea, or brand in your space, then I have good news. You can now download the latest updated version of my ebook, The Influencer Code, from my website, juliemasters.com. Also, there's a link in the show notes. Just pop in your email address, and I promise I will not spam you, but it is jam-packed full of ideas, tools, and case studies that I have come across in my now 20-plus years of doing this work, not to mention the seven areas and seven core questions that I have found to be hands-down the most valuable when it comes to immediately lifting your ability to make an impact. Download it, keep it, share it, juice it for all it is worth. I hope it makes a massive difference in both your career and your business. Thank you always to my co-founder and the main brain behind this podcast, Lauren Kelly. You kick my butt in all the right ways. Thank you for making it happen. And if you did enjoy the show, then we would love you to share this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, whatever your platform of choice happens to be. And don't forget to subscribe to make sure that you never miss an episode.